Coming up on Garden Talk. Feminized seeds are seeds that are 98 to 99% female plants. So you pop them and you are more than sure that will be females. I never start with seed plants. I always start with clones that are tested, that are very well known, that are very, very valuable. The most important thing on a breeding project, like I said, is the genetics that you breed with and the health of the plants. The veg nutrients, the high content of nitrogen will help create and harvest a lot more seeds than if you use a bloom nutrient. If you do this right from one plant, you can get like thousands of seeds. What's up, everybody? If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast. This episode number 91. In this episode, I interview Grow More, Stress Less. He is a plant breeder and focuses on creating feminized seeds. And that's what we're going to get into in today's episode. He talks all about his style of breeding and how to create feminized seeds. If you gain value from these episodes, please click the like button and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. That way you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you'd like to support even more, visit patreon.com slash mrgrowit. There are various rewards set up for those of you that support, and you can pledge any amount that you'd like. 100% of the money that's pledged through Patreon goes right back into the podcast. So thank you all so much for your support there. Before we get into it, I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring free gardening information of all plants to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to Grow Strong Industries for sponsoring this episode. They have kind LED grow lights, which allow you to control the veg and flower spectrums independently, allowing you to maximize quality and yield. And they also have Lotus Nutrients, a nutrient line developed by growers for growers to completely replace the typical 9-12 to bottle recipe with an easy-to-use three-part system. To see their products in action, check out their first-ever Grow Strong Grow-Off. Go to their website, growstrongindustries.com, linked below, and use the discount code MrGrowIt for 15% off. AC Infinity is sponsoring this episode. Their clip-on oscillating fan is now released. I've been using their 6-inch version for over 6 months now, and I absolutely love it. It's easy to clip on the side of my grow tent, and it has 10 different speeds, which makes it easy to control air circulation. They do also have non-oscillating versions of these clip-on fans. These fans are currently in high demand. When they sell out of the fans, which I expect them to often, you can pre-order them for the next release. You can also use discount code MrGrowIt if you're buying off their website, acinfinity.com. That discount code works for all AC Infinity items. Or discount code MrGrowIt15 if you're buying off Amazon. Spider Farmer is sponsoring this episode. Coupon code MrGrowIt5 will get you a discount on their products. Check out their new SFG bar style series of grow lights. They have the SFG 300W, a 4-bar fixture for a 2x2 or 3x3 growth space. The SFG 860W, a 8-bar fixture for a 4x4 or 5x5 growth space. And the SFG 1000W, a 10-bar fixture, which is also for a 4x4 or 5x5 growth space. Go to their website at spider-farmer.com or search for them on Amazon. And don't forget to use the discount code MrGrowIt5 for a discount on their products. 
And we're back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today I am joined with Grow More, Stress Less. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and I'm so honored to be on your show. Yeah, glad to have you on. I know there's been uh, a large handful of people that have requested for you to come on. So I'm excited that I finally got a hold of you and was able to get you on here. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. I've been watching your shows and your YouTube videos for a long time. So it's a pleasure to be on your show right now. That's so cool to hear. So today we're going to get into feminized plant breeding. You know, more and more people are choosing feminized seeds over regular seeds. I think they really like the ability to grow plants from seed and for it to always be female, not have to worry about male plants. So in this episode, I like to have more of a beginner-friendly conversation in regards to getting started breeding and then creating feminized seeds. But first, what we do with every episode is an introduction. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening? Yes, uh, my name is Vio. My real name uh, is abbreviation from Viorel. I'm coming from Eastern Europe, Romania. Uh, I'm coming from bodybuilding background. So I've been bodybuilding for the last 18 years of my life. I started bodybuilding when I was like 13 years old. And right when I started, it became a passion for me and I got obsessed with bodybuilding and I wanted to become a professional bodybuilder from like when I was 14 years old. So um, I followed my dream and at 20 years old, I uh, came to US to compete in a bodybuilding show and I stayed here uh, for the rest of the remaining time. I come here in 2008 and uh, I reached my lifetime goal to become a professional bodybuilder at 30 years old after uh, almost 16 years of chasing this dream and coming all the way from Eastern Europe, Romania to US was a huge transition, but uh, I always had that passion to, to for bodybuilding and I want to make it all the way where I put my dream at. So right after I finished bodybuilding and I reached my main goal to become a professional bodybuilding kind of I started to kind of get depressed because I didn't had another thing to aim for you know I reached my goal that I was trying to get for the last 16 years now I'm here and I'm kind of kind of lost I don't know what to do anymore so that's when I discovered growing and I immediately got passionate about growing, you know. I started with three little clones back in 2019 and it became a passion right away, like right away. I was there every single second opening my closet door to check on the plants and doing research for like hours and hours and hours and losing nights uh, watching YouTube videos, watching you and all the other like people on YouTube uh, on how to uh, and trying to learn how to grow and going back into my little growing experience. And uh, things evolved pretty fast for me because I dived so deep into it, like with bodybuilding, I put everything I had, all my focus and all my, uh, my time into growing. And I... Uh, I evolved pretty, pretty quick from my first grow in a closet uh, in, a, in, a, in soil with uh, flora, uh, not flora flex, with, uh, with, with, um, with salt nutrients. Uh, 
I, 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 get, I got into my second grow where I did deep water culture and I grew one single plant in a five by five space where I got massive results uh, from that plant. I got a massive yield and I got great results and that built my confidence. Also, I want to mention that the plant was in my life while I was doing bodybuilding. It helped me reach my goal to become a professional bodybuilding by um, giving me relief from pain uh, because bodybuilding is a very, very demanding sport where you have to lift a lot of weight and you have all kinds of joint pains or muscle pains. So I used the medicinal properties of the plant long before to start growing. So when I started growing, was like, I really need to learn everything about this. And uh, I dive deep into it. And uh, that's where I am right now. Awesome. And then how long have you been breeding? When did that come in? And what I like to ask, I've had uh, a handful of breeders on this podcast in the past, small handful. And uh, I like to ask them, what makes you a reputable breeder? What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. Okay, first of all, I'm not considered myself a breeder yet. I aim to become one of the best breeders in the game, but at this moment, I'm not considering myself a breeder. I'm just learning and experience and doing all kinds of projects to perfect my, uh, my skills, but I'm not considering myself a breeder yet. I've been breeding just for a little uh, over a year now, but like I said, as with growing, I'm diving deep in and I'm doing a lot of research. I'm, um, I'm listening to a lot of books about breeding, about plant health and everything like that. So um, I'm trying to perfect my breeding uh, projects every single time I'm doing it. And uh, what made me different, it's the passion that I put into the plant, the energy that I put into the plant and the approach that I have of, of breeding that will get later on. We'll get on later on, you know. Okay. And then before we actually met here, we talked about what the what the topic would be. And I, had, I sent you some questions in regards yes. to breeding. And the first set of questions I sent you was, was inbreeding, right? Going from like F1, F2, F3. And you had mentioned that you haven't really ventured into that avenue yet, that you specialized in feminized. So that's what kind of what we're going to focus on today. But for those that don't know feminized, can you break it, break it down for us? What is meant by feminized? So in simple words, you take a female clone plant and you reverse it with a, with a spray. 
uh, and you turn it into a male. And now you take the pollen from this female slash male plant and you uh, pollinate another female plant and you get five feminized seeds. So feminized seeds are seeds that are uh, 98 to 99% uh, female plants so you pop them and you are more than sure that will be females uh, the thing with the feminine seeds they are not as stable as the regular seeds that means they can harm if the genetics are not mixing together well but what I'm what I'm getting it is if you pop regular seeds and you want just female plants you have chances of 50% female, 50% male, so you are 50-50. But if you pop feminine seeds, you have got 99% chances to get female plants and probably the herm percent is less than, if it's a good project, less than 1% or 2%, you know. You pop, uh, I pop, for example, my last run, 33 seeds, I didn't have any herm. And then I pop another 72 seeds and I have just two herms. So the herm percentage can vary uh, from cultivar to cultivar, from genetic to genetic, you know, how well the genetics are combining themselves. So either way, I consider feminized seeds. If you, if you try to grow female plants, a more advantage way to go than regular seeds. Got it. And then kind of taking a step back, there's a lot of folks that are just getting started with breeding, you know, and they, they're kind of limited on the space that they have. What would you say is the smallest size grow space that someone can do this type of breeding in? I mean, you can do this type of breeding in any kind of space, even if you have like a two by two tent or uh, wherever you have, you get uh, you get your plant that you want to reverse and you start spraying it with the reversal spray and you need to have another plant so the smallest project that you can get done it's just bringing two plants you get one plant that you reverse and a plant that you will uh, pollinate with so it can be a two by four space even a uh, yeah two by four to fit two plants or a two by two you can get this done in any kind of space. You don't need a lot of space. And if you do this right from one plant, you can get like thousands of seeds. So you don't need a lot of space. You need the minimum possible space that you can grow two plants in it, you know? Okay. And then as far as tools and equipment, so I think a lot of folks that are getting into breeding, they already know how to grow the plant regularly. I think a majority of them, you know, maybe 99% of people already know how to grow the plant, or at least they, they should know how to grow the plant. And they're just getting into breeding. Are there any other like separate tools and equipment that they would need in order to breed? There is no apps, uh, like different tools or things that you need in order to breed. All you need to do it is to, to grow the plants healthy and you just need to have your reversal um, plan in place you know you need to have the timing right and you need to have to know how to grow super healthy plants because uh, my point of in my in my breeding my main point is the healthier you keep the plants the better you will you, the better 
the 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 genetics will will inter like will mix with each other you know you need to it's like humans when you try to, when you, when humans try to make kids the healthier the parents are the healthier will transmit into the into the children so that's what i'm trying to do with the with the plants keep them as healthy as possible uh during before and during the breeding process so the offsprings the seeds will be super healthy uh seeds with the best genetics possible you know that so that's that's what's all come come to so what would actually happen if the plant did have like deficiencies like say the plant was yellowing or something like that towards the lower part of the plant and it was pretty minor and they went and they did they started that reversal process with the spray is there like what are the downsides to doing that versus starting with a healthy plant? I mean, you kind of mentioned that the the health would go down to the offspring, right? But uh, are they going to see any issues during the reversal process? I don't know exactly what to tell them from now because uh, they uh, there can happen a lot of things. But from my point of view, you know, when you have mineral deficiencies in humans like folic acid in a, a pregnant woman or a calcium deficiency in a, in a pregnant woman, that will transmit into the kids. You know, you have folic acid deficiency. Uh, the, the kid can be born with birth defects, with uh, channel, uh, I don't know exactly how it's called, birth channel defect. Or if the mother have vitamin D or calcium deficiencies, the, the, the kid can have different like bone uh, mineral deficiencies and like different, you know, different uh, problems later on life and uh, being into the bodybuilding and health, uh, health uh, side of the things with humans, I translate that into my plants as well because it's kind of the same process. So I cannot tell exactly what will happen, but I can say that the healthier you keep your plants, the better you will the better genetics you can create uh, on your seeds, you know, the healthier genetic you can transmit into the seeds. Okay, so if the plant were to have deficiencies during that reversal process, like you mentioned, would there be potential mutant plants that happen or like uh, crazy characteristics that come out of the offspring because of that? Uh, it's, ve it's very possible to have like um, mutant plants or... I would say more likely to have more herm, herm problems later on because the DNA of the plants didn't mix and uh, uh, stay in the, right, the place that it's supposed to, you know? So it can be more like uh, more herm chances or more mutant plants or uh, uh, seeds not germinating correctly later on. So there can be a lot of problems, but I cannot point exactly because uh, the science is not yet there yet on the plants. What will happen if uh, this plant will have magnesium deficiency or so on? But what I can say for sure is that the healthier you can keep your plants during the breeding process, the better you are uh, you are off with your uh, with your offspring with your seeds and genetics later on you know all right and then as far as the seed to use to begin a lot of people say that regular seeds is the only thing you should use and that you, you should not use feminized seeds for breeding 
Are there any risks with starting with a feminized seed and using that, reversing that versus a regular seed? Okay. First of all, uh, I don't like to start with, uh, with, uh, with seeds, you know, with seed plants. I start directly with the genetics that are very, very well, well known, uh, very well. The characteristics are that I'm looking for, you know, I'm starting with, with genetics that are already good, you know, they are selected, they are breeder cuts, they are cuts that are very valuable because the whole the whole thing boils down to the genetics what genetics you can bring to make a even better genetic right and when you start from seed you have a huge variation that you can you you can you can pop a hundred seeds and you cannot find one good plant on a hundred seeds you know so that's that's the thing i never start with uh with seed plants i always start with clones that are tested that are uh, very well known that are very very um valuable you know they have the characteristics that i'm looking for the the thc the the, the medicinal properties that i'm looking for the the color that I'm looking for, the vigor that I'm looking for, you know. So I never start with seeds. I'm starting with uh, with uh, clones, and I'm trying to get the best genetics that I have like, access to. So anybody can they can breed, but the main thing is what genetics you start with, you know, because not everybody have access to the best genetics in the world so that's 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 one of my main focus finding the best genetics and hunting the seeds that i'm creating to find the best genetics that i can bring into my other other genetics you know so you don't really worry about if that clone came from a seed that was regular or if that clone came from a plant that was feminized, started from a feminized seed. As long as that clone, as long as you know that the mother plant was a healthy plant, produced what you were looking for within the genetics, you'll use that clone, you'll grow it out, and then you'll reverse it. Exactly, exactly. I don't care if it came from a feminized seeds or a regular seeds. All I care is to be stable to have a lot of value, to bring a lot of value to my breeding project, you know, uh, yield, uh, color, medicinal properties, uh, uh, f- uh, the plant uh, structure, uh, vigor in flower, in veg, and all those things, you know. I don't care if it's come from feminized or regular seeds. All right. And then getting into the characteristics, it really depends on the breeder, what the breeder is looking for in the plant. What do you look for within a female plant to use for breeding? Uh, first of all, I'm looking, like I said, for va- high-value uh, genetics that has uh, l- what people are looking at the moment in the market, you know. And people right now in the market are looking uh, for high medicinal properties, like high percentage of medicinal properties, THC, CBD, and so forth. Uh, 
Um, also, people are looking for very good bag appeal. So color, again, it's a very important thing. Uh, purple uh, color plant will uh, be more appealing than a green, uh, green plant. Also, I'm looking for uh, frost. The, how frosty and how good the bud look, the structure of the bud, um, how uh, how well the plant grow in veg, how much the plant yields and so forth, you know. And also there are uh, terpenes that uh, our people are looking for. Some people are looking more for uh, sweet uh, candy terps and some people are looking more for gas and uh OG kind of uh, strains, so it all depends what what you're looking for, and uh, there are different customers that are looking for different things. So I'm trying to breed for everybody to have something good for everybody. You know, understood. Yeah, it's so subjective, and uh, yeah, it really depends on on again what the breeder or the the breeder's customers are looking for. So yeah, I appreciate you explaining that one. So let's get into the actual reversal process using the sprays. So there are a couple different ways you can go about it, right? There is colodosilva. There is silver theosulfate, for short, STS. There's also gibberic acid. And I know you said you don't have experience with the gibberic acid, so we won't talk about that. But I believe you have experience with both the STS and the colodosilver. Yes. So let's start with STS. Walk us through the process. How do you go about doing the sprays? When do you spray? How do you spray? So on and so forth. So the only thing that I've used on my plants is the STS spray, the abbreviation for, uh, for the STS spray. So basically that come in two, bot two, two bottles that you need to mix up and create a spray that you spray your plant, your, your, your reversal plant, for three weeks, for the first three weeks of flower. So uh, you take your reversal plant, you put it on flower, you put it on a 12-12 schedule, light schedule, and right away you start the process of spraying the plant. You can, uh, usually I, I spray it between one and two times a day for the first 15 to 20 days of flower. And in 20, uh, in a 15 to 20 days, you should start seeing instead of flower, you should start see pollen sacs forming. So that's when you know that the reversal process was successful. You start seeing pollen sacs. You have start seeing a male plant instead of a female plant with flower plants. The main thing and what I've done wrong in the past, and I want to uh, mention right here, it's the timing. So uh, I started my breeding projects a year ago, putting the reverse, the plant that I reverse, and all the other plants that I'm trying to pollinate, putting them into flower in the same time. And uh, by the time that my plant was reversing was a little bit too late in flower for my for my flower plants to be pollinated and create seeds so i want to mention that the plant that you want to reverse you need to put it in flower and start spraying it uh, at least two weeks between two to three weeks 
before you put all your flower plants that you try to pollinate them. So I, re I start reversing my plants uh, today for the next two weeks. And then I start my other female plants that I'm trying to mix with this male plant, reversed plant into flower. And then I put them all in the same tent and I'm kind of doing a open pollination. I put the reversal plant in a corner of the tent and I'm putting a fan blowing right on that plant. And when the time it's come, the pollen sacs will open and the pollen will go in the whole tent. I'm also taking the plant, I'm trying to keep my reversal plant in a smaller kind of pot because I want to be able to take that plant and uh, shake it above the other plants when I'm seeing a lot of pollen on the plant because just by having a flan blowing on the plant sometimes is not enough. You have to actually, when the time it comes, take the plant and shake it above the other plants so all the pollen will go on the plants. So by doing this, two to three weeks for the reversal plant to start reversing, you get the perfect timing for the for the for the other plants to flower and be ready to get the pollen you know and uh, that's how I got the best results and the most seeds because when I was putting the reversal plant with the with the other flowering plants the the female plants in the same time in flower was not enough time to pollinate and have the seeds made uh, mature and be ready to harvest in time, you know? So that's basically the whole process. You just take your uh, reversal plant, you spread for three weeks, you bring, you, you start the flowering process two weeks later on the flowering plants and you just pollinate that other plants. The most important thing on a breeding project, like I said, is the genetics that you breed with and the health of the plants. Because as in humans, if you're trying to obtain, if, if, you, if your kid, you'll try to have your kid play in NBA and you are a 5'5 five five and your wife is a 5'5 five five, uh, tall person, you don't have the genetics to have your kid playing in NBA, whatever you do, you know what I mean? So genetics are the, the main part of this breeding game, you know, finding the right genetics to, to breed and then the health of the plant. All right, so let me just make sure I understand this correctly because I've never done, I've never created feminized seeds before. I do have my own cross, Briscoe OG, cross with Pakistan Valley, but I'm, do, I'm doing inbreeding. So I've actually done e inbreeding all the way down to an F3. Creating feminized seeds is, is a different process. So let me make sure I understand what you had just mentioned there, which is the plant that you're going to spray, you'll flip to a 12-12 light cycle, flowering light cycle. You'll spray the plant for the first 14 days. You'll you'll apply that spray once. Well, more, more likely like 20 days, 20, 20 days, 15 to 20 days. But at the 14-day mark, that's when you're taking your other plant from veg and putting it into flower. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and so then that plant is going to start to flower and you're continuing to spray that other plant up to the 20-day or 21-day mark, right? Yes. And then at that point, 
the plant has created pollen sacs or it's starting to create pollen sacs. And then the timing should match up to where the plant that you're going to pollinate is ready for pollination. And the plant that you've sprayed is releasing pollen. And then you take the plant that is releasing pollen and you're actually, you know, letting the the oscillating fan blow pollen into the environment. You're doing the open pollination. You're even taking the plant, grabbing it up and shaking it over the other plant. I've done the same thing on the last run. I I did pollination, Uh, pick up the plant. I had a two gallon container is what I was in and shaking it over the other plant to make sure it's really well pollinated. Is that pretty much what you had just mentioned? Did I explain that correctly? Yes, that's that's pretty much uh, what I was mentioned. Uh, also, I want to mention that when you spray your plant, when you put the plant that you reverse, you don't spread into the tent with the other female plants because you run the risk of spraying on the other plants and reversing the other plants. So I take my plant and I spread separately from the other plants and when the plant is all dry, I put it back into the tent. Another thing, uh, this STD, uh, STS, this STS spray, it's a very, very, um, it's very, uh, how you call it, very sensitive to the light and uh, temperature. So when you spray your plant, make sure you are not spraying it with the lights on and in a very hot environment, you know, I like to take my plant that I reversed, let it sit outside of the tent or in a bathtub for 10, 15 minutes, I spread, then I let it sit to dry it up for 10, 15 minutes, and then I put it back into the tent. Are you spraying just once a day or are you spraying multiple times a day? Once a day usually, but sometimes uh, I'm doing twice a day, like especially at the beginning, or to make sure that the plant is well spread and will reverse correctly. Also, I want to mention that you better have multiple plants reversing than just one based on your space that you're breathing. For example, I, I like to breathe in five by five tents. And I like to have at least two plants that I reverse. Same genetic, but two plants that I reverse. So I make sure that I have enough pollen to pollinate the whole tent. Because you don't want to get to the point where you reverse only one plant and you don't have enough pollen to pollinate all your other plants. You better have extra pollen or more pollen than not enough. Um, another thing that I'm encourage, encouraging people is, like I said, that time frame of two weeks, you can take one of the plants and do it, to, uh, start reversing it two weeks before, but you can have your other plants start reversing three weeks before, or you can have three plants like one week before the, the uh, you put other in flower, two weeks before and three weeks. So you make, because different uh, genetics reverse different and release pollen in different times. So you are, if you never reverse that plant before, you don't know exactly when the pollen sacs will open for sure and how much pollen they will produce. So you better have more pollen and more chances to 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 pollinate all your fam- uh, other plants than less. You know. All right. And then that plant that you are reversing or the plants that you are reversing, 
How big are you growing them generally? And you mentioned you like to for them to be in smaller containers. What size containers? Uh, I usually like uh, if I do uh, in one gallon pots. Uh, I do one gallon pots cocoa, or I do uh, the big. I think they're called Big Mama or whatever. The eight by eight uh, Rockwell cubes. So either I do in the big Rockwell cubes or one gallon pots. And when I'm trying to pollinate, I get a nice dry back. So the plant is super light and I just go and uh, shake it over the other plants. Um, the plant, uh, I like to be at least like two feet tall. I, I don't like huge plants because when you have huge plants, they cannot sustain themselves anymore and you get like like the buds will get heavy and you they'll flop over i prefer to have few different plants but smaller ones that i can work better with you know if i have uh, two plants and are two or three feet tall uh, it's a lot easier for me to pollinate the other plants when the time comes what do you use for a fertilizer uh for fertilizer i use adena ag nutrients it's a salt-based nutrients and uh a lot of people ask me, but organics are not better, soil is not better. Uh, and my, uh, my answer is uh, always do where you can keep your plants the healthiest possible. If you, keep, if you have your plants super healthy in soil, do it in soil. But if you never use soil or anything, or whatever works for you, whatever can keep your plants the healthiest possible, that's what you need to use. Doesn't matter if it's uh, if it's organic or uh, synthetic nutrients because we'll give the same input to the plants. We'll, we'll give the same nutrients. The, the synthetic nutrients, the salt nutrients will give the direct input. The organic need to be break down by uh, organic matters and give to the plants. So for me, organic is a little bit more complicated and soil, it's a little bit more complicated. And I believe it's a whole science how you can keep your plants healthy and create a nice uh, 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 microbiome into the medium that can feed your plant. And uh, salt nutrients are a lot easier to control and keep your plants healthy. So. My choice is uh, salt nutrients because I can control everything to a T. I can control the AC. I can control the pH exactly where I want to be. And I can keep my plants super happy and healthy. Understood. Okay, so you've got your plants growing. You've reversed a plant. You also brought your other plant in that you're going to pollinate. You've done the pollination process. What happens to the reverse plant after that? Are you collecting pollen at all? Or are you just killing off that plant that you reverse because you no longer need it? Usually, usually reversed plants are not producing uh, as much pollen like a real male plant, you know. So usually is not much pollen left after I pollinate the plants. I shake the plant so hard that is no pollen left into the plant by the time it's finished. So usually I don't make sense i don't have nothing to collect i just throw them away and it's an easy process i can do it anytime i can take a plant and reverse it take only three weeks so 
no make sense to keep it around. I just cut it and uh, I spread out the other plants into the tent and I continue the, the breeding, uh, the seed maturation of the plants, you know. So the seeds are forming in the plant's buds. And uh, I guess my next question would be, how long is that plant growing? Like how long should the female plant grow and then be harvested in order to maximize the yield of seeds, right? Because I imagine that if you're harvesting too early, you have a lot of immature seeds. Do you just let your plants grow and grow and grow and grow until they're basically dead and then harvest? Or what's your process for harvesting? So uh, usually my process is I let my plants go as much as they want so i watch my plants i don't even count how many weeks i cannot tell you i do like after i pollinate another five or six weeks but usually it's a little longer process than flowering plants for uh, for bud you know for medicine for medicine it's a little bit like probably like uh, a week to two weeks longer process so I like to take my time and watch the plants, uh, uh, how deep it form, but uh, definitely I don't like to see my plants dead all the way dead. I'm harvesting my plants and I like to see my plants still green and vibrant, so I don't do any kind of flushing or anything. I like to keep my plants healthy as long as I can. and. Um, what I usually do, I take a small bud towards the end and I check the seeds and see uh, if the seeds are mature enough or I need to let them go. But like I said, leave them a long, longer, it's better than cut them short. So let them go for as long as they need. Check like buds for, for, uh, to see how the seeds are inside. If they are still green, give them another week or so. Don't rush them. And, um, and that's how, how you do it. Uh, you need to learn to read your plants and uh, know when to take them down. But like I said, it's a little longer, like usually two weeks longer. Uh, if you cut your plant, like your, your female plant that you use for breeding, if you, in, if you cut it in flower for medicine uh, at, day, uh, at week eight or nine, let the, the seeded plant go for 10 or 11 weeks, you know, because you want ma uh, mature seeds inside the bud. You don't want green seeds. You want all the way mature seeds so you get the best germination rate possible. That makes sense. So when you do harvest the plant, the process of breaking up the buds and kind of sorting out the seeds, what do you do for that? Are you just like breaking it up by hand and then putting it into like a seed cleaning machine or, or what? Uh, I do everything by hand. So I have a trim bin where I break down all, I put all my seeded buds and I start breaking it down like into like, like, like very fine material and seeds all mixed together and then it's a process of shaking that uh, that trim bean where it separates the seeds from all the the green material you know and you then take it by hand and you whatever however you want to do it um, like I said, I'm at the beginning of my, my road and I'm not doing like huge breeding projects where I need uh, 
separating machines or anything like that. My process is all handmade. I take the seeds by hand, I pack them by hand, I do everything by hand uh, for the moment, all by myself. Uh, and uh, pretty much that's it. So everybody need to find their own methods that work for them. Definitely it's a very meticulous process taking all those seeds uh, uh, by hand, but uh, it's all worth it, I, in my opinion. Got it. I do want to go back to hermaphrodites. We talked about a little bit earlier in the episode, but I want to get a little bit deeper into it. What do we need to know about hermaphrodites? I hear horror story after horror story after horror story that people are getting feminized seeds, they're planting them, and they're getting a whole bunch of hermaphrodites. So what do we need to know about hermaphrodites? You know, what are the chances they occur? And how do you avoid getting hermaphrodites? So hermaphrodites are uh, uh, plants that are female plants, but uh, they start developing also male characteristics. So they start, so they are, 99% female plants with uh, with flowers, but they got uh, pollen sacs, few pollen sacs, and usually those pollen sacs come at the bottom of the of the plant. Um, with all the feminized seeds, especially if they are first generation, so you take uh, sown uh, genetic and you breed it to a different genetic for the first time the chances of hermaphrodites are a little bit higher and uh, there are chances of hermaphrodites for sure. But I think the main factor with hermaphrodites is the way you treat your plants when when you grow them, like the environment uh, where you keep your plants in, the light schedule and how you stress them because uh, I... I pop a ton of seeds from different people, my own seeds, and I don't have a bunch of, of hermaphrodites because my environment is on point. It's, 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 uh, it's where it's supposed to be. And I don't stress the plants in the first three, four weeks of flower because feminized seeds get very easily stressed in the first three weeks of flower. And the plant will be like, oh, I need to survive and put my generation perpetuate my generation so I pop a pollen sac so I can pollinate the plant and create seeds so I can reproduce you know that's when a harsh environment you have a harsh environment you know but when you have a nice good environment where the plants are thriving and they are super healthy they don't really have much reason to hermaphrodite you know what I mean they don't have they don't have a reason to hermaphrodite as if they are stressed out. So the main thing with uh, hermaphrodites is keep your plants um, keep your plants as healthy as possible, bug free because bugs can stress the plants as well. Feed them correctly. Don't overfeed them. Don't give them a ton of light. The the usual mistakes that I see people doing is too much light, too much nutrients. Uh, keeping the plants too wet, you know, uh, and um, that's that's how you get hermaphrodites. And uh, like I said, the, the, the hermaphrodites can happen even if, with a good environment because it's the genetic that cannot be, uh, sometimes it's not stable, you know, but uh, 
that's 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 what it come about it's uh hermaphrodites happen because the plant want to procreate and continue her genes uh in a stress environment you know but if you don't give a reason for the plant to think that will die and she's all thriving and healthy she don't really have a reason to hermaphrodite on you i feel like there's a way that you can avoid getting hermaphrodites is if the breeder actually does testing or sends their seeds out to be tested first. That's a common practice is people will take the offspring and then they'll send them out to a group of people, whether that be 5, 10, 15 people, and have them grow it out and see if there are hermaphrodites or not. Then if everything's all well off of that batch of seeds that they've gotten tested, then they distribute it to the community. Uh, in your opinion, how many people should test the genetics before releasing them to the public? It's all it's all based on how big of the of the breeding is. If you have just a small tent, you cannot send to a thousand people. You know your your seeds because you'll have no more seeds. You know, but uh, I like personally to test my genetics. So I pop all my all all the seeds that I create before I release them. I I uh, I, I uh, germinate them first to see the germination rate. And also I like to hunt my own seeds and find my own keepers because that's the main reason I'm, I'm breeding. First of all, to find my own genetics that I can later on breed with. So first of all, I, I'm the one to, to do all the testing. I'm the one who do the, the germination red test and I'm the one who grow the plants first. And then I got a couple of friends that I trust, they can give me feedback and I give them seeds and, hey, bro, can you pop the seeds for me and give me feedback? But like I said, the number of people that you give your seeds, it's based on the how big your, your project is, you know, how big your project is. But uh, like I said, I like to be the first one who tells them and I have few people, but uh, yeah, that's how, how it goes. I mean, that makes sense. You don't want to, you know, if your yield of seeds is 500, for example, you don't want to send out 10 packs to 20 people. And all of a sudden there's 200 seeds gone, you know, almost half of your seeds are gone. So I get what you mean by as far as scale. And also, also, also it's very important to who you give your seeds to, because you need to be very, very trustful people that have very good growing skills. Because if you give to people that, are not have the right growing skills they cannot give you the right feedback they will they will pop your seeds and they will not germinate because they don't know how to germinate or they will harm because they don't have the right environment you know what i mean so i like to keep my circle uh tight of the people that i trust and uh, give my seeds to to try and get a uh, real feedback from them but the main tester as right now, because like I said, I'm not a big uh, breeder. I'm not considering even myself a breeder yet. Uh, uh, it's it's me. That's like if it if the seeds uh, cross my standards, then they are good to go for other people as well. You know, to send to other people. So I have very high standards, and uh, I like to try the seeds to grow them myself before before I send it to other people. Understood. So after you've completed that run, you've harvested the plants, cleaning. I want to get into that a little bit. It's a common question that people have because this, this pollen's still within the tent, right? 
So what do you do for cleaning between runs to ensure that the pollen from the previous run is completely gone? So uh, I do the same thing with all my grows. It's nothing specific that I'm doing with uh, with uh, with uh, breeding tents, but I got a bottle, uh, like not like a spray bottle. It's like a it's like a container, like a two gallon container spray, like uh, electric spray with battery, and uh, I mix um, I mix chlor like uh, chlorine from Walmart. <laughs> I get the uh, chlor with water and I mix like 10, 20% chlor and rest water. And I spray the whole tent, everything. I spray everything with chlor and then I, I get my gloves on and I get um, the paper towels and I wipe out everything in the tent. So simple and basic uh, cleaning, you know. Pretty straightforward there. Y- yes. So we've gone through quite a bit here. We're getting up towards the end of the episode. One of the things I could ask towards the end is, did we miss anything? And also, do you have any advice for beginners who are just getting started with this process? Yes. Like, I'm not afraid to share my whole experience with everybody. Like, so, like most of the breeders in the game, they try to act like there are secrets that people don't need to know because we are the only one who we need to make those seeds and so forth. But I'm like to be an open book and help people in the community to make their own seeds. And I encourage everyone to try to reverse a plant and create their own seeds, you know, with their own genetic. And like I said, the main thing is the genetic that we breed with and uh, the health of the plant. But I want to touch down a little bit into the nutrition of the plants into creating seeds because it's a little bit different than the nutrition of the plant when you create a flower for medicine purpose, you know, to, for uh, smoking or so on. Uh, so when, when I feed my plants uh, for, for seeds, I'm not using bloom nutrients as I usually do with my plants that I'm growing for flower. I, and I'm actually using uh, veg nutrients because the nitrogen uh, into the into the, the veg nutrients, the high content of nitrogen, will help create and harvest a lot more seeds than if you use a bloom nutrient with a lot of uh, phosphorus as potassium. So that's what I'm doing. I'm always using nutrients. Uh, veg nutrients, vegetative nutrients with a high nitrogen content. And sometimes I'm using a nitrogen boost uh, at the end of my, uh, of my, of my, uh, of my plant cycle to mature those seeds out. So people, when they, they, they grow for flower, they use PK boost to boost their, their, their flower, you know, grow bigger flower. When you breed, you try to use as much nitrogen as possible. Of course, you don't want to burn your plants with nitrogen, but you want to have a lot of nitrogen on that on those plants so they can create a lot of seeds. That's that 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 is a point that I that that I wanted to make for the new breeders that they start breeding. The timing of the reversal and feeding veg nutrients are Uh, very, very important other than genetics that are the most important. 
Makes sense. Thanks for uh, thanks for expanding on that one. So wrapping things up, how can the listeners find you? And is there anything that you have upcoming in the future that you want to talk about? I have a lot of things uh, coming up. I'm trying to to like I said uh, to become a very well known breeder. I want to take uh, this breeding stuff all the way to the top as I did with bodybuilding. No matter how long it will, will take for me, I know it will take some time, but I'm very eager to, to, to create the best seeds and the best genetics in the world and create as much value for my customers as possible through my seeds. So um, I'm working all, on a lot of projects at the moment. Um, People can find me on Instagram at Grow More Stress Less 2.0 because my main account, Grow More Stress Less, was taken down by the Instagram. Also, I have my breeding account on Instagram. It's Grow More Fire. Also, I'm partnered with with my partner in Miami, and we got a hydroponic, online hydroponic website it's called growmoreextreme.com. It's a website where people can find all their hydroponic needs at very, very convenient prices. We also focus on very good customer service and helping people succeed. You know, we don't just try to be the next uh, hydroponic uh, or uh, breeder. We try to help people succeed on what they do because. We realize that if we can help people succeed, we are automatically su- uh, succeed as well, you know? So that's that's my main goal, help people succeed, putting a lot of value into my, uh, into my uh, projects that I'm doing with breeding, with hydroponics and everything that I'm doing. And uh, also I'm hunting a lot of, of my seeds, trying to create, to find great, uh, genetics in clone form that will bring again a lot of value to my customers thank you so much for uh, for having me in your show and i really appreciate the opportunity to be here sweet yeah and i know you also have a youtube channel and uh, for the folks that are tuning in on youtube i'll definitely link that channel down in the youtube description section below I also do want to pass off a question to the audience here listening in i know there are quite a few people who create feminized seeds i like to know, how do you do it? Let me know down in the comments section below. I'd love to know the way you do it because there are several different ways that you can go about it. That's right. We are always learning and I would like personally to read all the comments. And if anyone has questions for me specifically, please leave them down below on the, on the comments and I'll come back and I promise I'll answer to everybody questions that they have for me. Just uh, just uh, mention my channel, my YouTube channel, Grow Monsters Less, so I know you mentioned mention me on the comment so I can come and answer to your question. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, click that thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Every single weekend, I'm releasing a new podcast episode. It will be great if you joined into future episodes. Vio, thanks so much for coming on. This has been this has been insightful. I've definitely learned a few things. Like I mentioned, I have never done this process before. 
So I learned and I'm thinking about doing this process in the future. So I'll definitely refer back to this video when time comes. So thank you once again. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. And I'm so glad that I was here in the show sharing my passion with, uh, with your followers. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Peace out, everyone. Catch you in the next episode.